0: lift you up and uh, glorify you because you're so great. There's nobody like you. There's no one that rules like you. And we realize the more we understand that, the more we realize your greatness. You then allow us to, to humble ourselves before you. And we're able to rest in the knowledge that you're in charge. That you're in control. And so, this morning, we do want to take a moment and just rest in that fact, that reality. As we look back over the last week, uh, we we see the racial tension in this country. We see people that have lost their lives. We see law enforcement that has paid the ultimate price to protect and serve. And so we lift up those that are grieving today. Both those in the African American community and those in the law enforcement community, their loved ones. We want to weep with those who weep. Father, we know um, we we still have a long ways to go as a nation. And so we ask that uh, you would do a work that would start with the church. That we would be uh, exhibiting incredible and loving race relationships here so that the world might know that you're the Lord. That the world might catch a glimpse that we are just beginning what's going to happen in heaven forever. That all of us will be together that believe in You. And You're gathering a people of different races and nations. I pray the church has a word for this culture and could share it. I pray that when we talk about these things in the workplace, that we would have a good word to say about them. We're going to have to have wisdom for that. We're going to have to be able to hear from You about that. So we pray for peace for our country. We pray for wisdom for those in authority. That they'd make godly decisions that would lead us in correct ways. And that you would give protection to those that are vulnerable. Uh, In particular, we pray for our law enforcement that they would be covered by your hand, that they would have wisdom as they do their job, and we pray for those uh, in the African American community who feel hurt by this, that you'd be near to them, and that when they come into contact with law enforcement that the right decisions would be made and that whatever the consequences are, we could live with those. I don't pretend to know the situation the way You do, Lord. But I know You rule with justice because You're a just judge. And so I pray You would have Your will be done with the situation we find ourselves in today. Be spoken that you would have your way with that. Okay <clears throat> Braden could you help me out where are you at Braden where do you go you want can you help me out Okay, well, he gets something set up. Let's go. So, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And this dream is <clears throat> probably as scary as the last dream he has that troubles him and makes him call for all of his astrologers and wise men and and all those people that he has informing him of what's going on. Uh, he has a dream, and, and this time he doesn't... He doesn't play coy. He doesn't say, tell me what the dream is. He says, here's the dream, tell me what it means. This is the dream he has. He sees a gigantic tree and it seems like this tree is so big you can see it from all the different points of the earth. It goes that high. That's what his dream is like. And, And in this tree, there's beautiful leaves. There's fruit. There's branches that extend out. And... There's animals living in the branches. There's creatures coming underneath the shade of the tree. And the tree is glorious. But then there's this, this messenger from heaven comes down and this messenger says, chop the tree down, cut off the branches, pull off the leaves. But leave the roots in the ground. Bind the roots with iron and bronze. For seven years. The messenger says, for seven years, he, and again the question who, but the angel only says, he will be drenched with the dew of the earth. He will be given the mind like an animal and be amongst them for seven times. And that's the conclusion of the dream. Now, Nebuchadnezzar brings in his, his magicians, his wise men, uh, all, all these astrologers, and, and none of them can, can tell him what it means. Maybe they have suspicions, but they're too afraid to say to the king what their suspicions are. And, and Daniel feels the same way. He's brought in. Nebuchadnezzar says, I'll bring in Daniel, because he has a spirit of the gods in him. Well, you know, Which again kind of shows that Nebuchadnezzar's not really clear on who is the one true God. But, but Daniel, certainly, he's got the spirit of the gods. Bring him in. He'll explain the dream. And so Daniel comes in, and Daniel is a little bit shocked and a little bit nervous because he knows exactly what it means. And Nebuchadnezzar, who's worked with Daniel now for a long time, says, don't hold back. T- tell me whatever it is. I'll hear it. And Daniel says, the tree is you. The Most High has given you this incredible kingdom, this empire to rule over. And many people have enjoyed being in the shade of your tree and eating of its fruits. But you haven't acknowledged God as your ruler and as the ruler of the world. You have not acknowledged Him. So, O King you're going to be driven insane. You're going to, for seven years, you're going to eat with the wild animals until you acknowledge that God is the Most High. And Nebuchadnezzar thanks him, and then Daniel gives another word to him. He says, this is, this is my advice. This is what I think you ought to do. I think you ought to repent of your wicked ways, do justice to those that are oppressed and acknowledge God as the Most High. And maybe, maybe this won't come upon you. Turn to Daniel chapter 4 for the rest of the story, please. Is my microphone hopeless? Alright, let's get that now. chapter 4. And let's pick it up in uh, verse 28. So it appears that maybe for a year Nebuchadnezzar started changing. It appears that he humbled himself somehow and and started doing what was right. But it wasn't too long after, verse 28, it says, And this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Thanks, Brad. You can have a seat. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, he said, Is this is not this great Babylon I have built as the as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? And the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven, This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you, you will be driven away from the people, and will live like a wild animal like wild animals, you'll eat grass like cattle, seven times will pass by. For you, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people, and he ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven <clears throat> until his hair grew like the feathers of, the, of an eagle and his nails like the claws of the bird of a bird. Now, what can we say about pride this morning? What can we say about humility? I like to keep it simple. Pride is crazy. Pride is out of step with reality. That's what pride is. Pride is evaluating yourself higher than you should. That's pride. Thinking of yourself higher than you should. Thinking of yourself as better than other people. And that is out of touch with reality. I think it's no... Uh, a mistake that Nebuchadnezzar's driven insane for seven years by the Lord. Because pride is insane when you really think about it. It truly is insane if if you trace the whole thing out. Because if God rules, if He's sovereign over my life, I can't take credit for my health because it could be gone tomorrow. I can't take credit for my mind because God has given that to me. I can't take credit for my strength because God's given that to me. And if I can't take credit for these things that are part of me, then I've got to be humble and give glory to God. And if God has opened doors in my life that He hasn't opened in other people's lives, do I dare take credit for that and say what a great person I am? If you've been able to make money and do really well for yourself while others haven't, do you dare take credit for that? When God's given you that ability, to open those doors. Pride is out of step with the reality that God rules and He rules over your life. Pride doesn't make sense when, when you can see it. It makes it makes perfect sense for those that are prideful, right? It makes perfect logical sense for those that are prideful. I'm thinking of a time when I was in uh, I was doing some church planning work, and I, I told this story to the church before that it was a very difficult time, church planning. Uh, it didn't go well, and I discovered that that wasn't God's calling for my life. It was pretty clear. But during some of the difficult times in that, uh, I would meet every month with a pastor's network. They were all EFCA pastors. They get together we pray for each other we talk about ministry stuff and there was a time when it got so hard in church planning i was just i was frustrated i felt unsupported but more than that i stopped going to those pastors networks because i didn't want to report about how badly it was going I didn't want to sit with a bunch of guys who could say, uh, "My church is growing. This is happening here. God's doing this here. Oh, we're launching a multi-site church over here. How's your multi-site going, Nile? Not well at all." I, I just didn't want to go there. And at the time, I told myself it's because these guys aren't really supporting me that I'm doing so hard. I'm doing so poorly here. It, it's really their fault for not coming alongside me. Or or the EFCA for not helping me out enough. It's got to be on them. Because that's what prideful people do. It's got to be somebody else's fault. And and looking back on it now, I can see that if I would have sat with those guys and shared my heart, they would have prayed for me, they would have given me counsel, they may have even corrected me in the process. And eventually God did bring a man into my life that helped me, gave me the correction I needed, gave me the direction. Uh, those of you that are, that are joining us from out of town, but those of you that have been here a long time, you know Pastor Brian. That was one of the things he did for me. He had the hard conversations with me that I needed to hear and he gave me direction. And he prayed with me. But I can only say that I cut myself off from people who wanted to help me Because I didn't want to say to them, I'm not doing so well here. I think I'm failing here. I I didn't want to use that word. Pride is out of step with reality. Because those men would have cared for my soul. I am confident in that. But I couldn't see it. Pride doesn't make sense. Pride is out of step with the reality of what's really going on in your life. Pride is like Jenga. You know, if you, if you play Jenga, mine is bitten up by my dogs. It's, you have to see it afterwards. This is what we do in Jenga. You know, and this is what we do with pride. We say, you know what? I think I'm more spiritual than some other people in this church. And we start to build. We say, hey, if I can get this out. When you talk too much and interrupt people, always talk about yourself, you keep building. When you have a hard time talking about your failures with other people, that's pride. And you keep building. When you can't admit when you're wrong, you keep building. When you always seem to forget to say thank you. For how you've been helped, either to God or to other people, you're building. When someone lays the rules down on you, and you have a hard time with rules, you react against them. You're building. When you get easily offended by other people, you're building. When you look at people and think about how much money they make and how it's less than you and how you have more education than them, when you're more refined than them, you're building. When you have a sharp, critical tongue that likes to point out other people's faults, especially people in leadership, you're building. When people don't recognize your accomplishments and the amazing things you have done, when they don't say thank you to you and you get hurt by that, you're building. When you have a terrible time saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? When's the last time you said that? You're building. And if you've heard these things that I've said and thought, I'm glad so-and-so is here to hear this today. You're building. and and this is this is God's word for you this morning. Uh, for those reasons and so many others, if you're dealing with pride, this is God's word for you. God is saying, Listen, prideful people, it's really this easy. Like, really. It's really that easy. Because you've built yourself up brick by brick by brick. You've done this. All I have to do is pull one of those bricks out and the whole thing comes crashing down. We know pride goes before the fall. And that's the message here. If God is sovereign over your life, and you believe that that's true, and if you believe that God hates pride, and He'll humble the proud, if you believe both of those things are true, then you're only one Jenga piece away from coming crashing down. What did Nebuchadnezzar realize about God at the end of seven years? Would you look at verse 34? 34. At the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me. Remember, the roots in the ground stay. To my, I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven. Because everything he does is right. And all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The end. If a pagan, God's worshipping king can come to this conclusion, we have to too. If you just look at Nebuchadnezzar's words and you ask the question, why is pride insane? Why is pride out of step with reality? The answer is because God is sovereign over your life. God rules over your life. He can pull the Jenga piece out anytime he wants. And I'm not saying that every time something bad happens, it's a Jenga piece. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we have to look at all the health issues and say, oh, it must be God humbling me uh, because of my pride. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in certain circumstances, yes. That's exactly what he's doing. If you you look at Nebuchadnezzar's words, it's pretty amazing what he says here. He says uh, in verse 34, his dominion is an eternal dominion. Do you see what he's saying? Long after I'm dead and gone, God will still be ruling. God will still be on the throne. He will still be ruling over the earth when the Babylonian Empire is nothing more than dust. And so it's true. Verse 35, he says, The peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. That's not a statement about God not loving people. It's actually a statement that if you compare people to God, we don't come out looking so good. And we should realize that if you compare our good works to what God is like, His righteousness, we're nothing. If you make the comparison, that should humble us. And the other thing about this when He says, uh, you regard people as nothing, uh, that, that's holiness. God is set apart. He's holy. There's no one like Him. And God can recognize that yes, there's no, one, no one deserves worship the way He does. He's holy. He's different. The other thing he says here is in verse 35, He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. When we say God does as He pleases, the word for that would be righteousness. God acts according to His pleasure. He acts according to His character. He does whatever He wants, but what He does is righteous. So when we talk about doing righteously... What we mean is, I want to act like God. I want, I want to, in a good way, I want, to, I want to obey Him. I want to follow His character. Righteousness is just God acting according to who He is. He's a truth-telling God. He's going to tell the truth because He's honest. That's who He is. Then He goes on and He says, uh, no one can hold back His hand or say, what have you done? You can't stop Him because He's omnipotent. And you can't challenge Him because He's omniscient. Now, yeah, you say, yeah, I can challenge him, but I'd argue actually you can't. Because if you actually were standing in front of God, if you were actually in front of him and said, God, you have no right to do this, you'd get an answer like the end of Job. So where were you when I formed the earth? What do you know about the farthest reaches of the universe? We don't know. We don't know anything compared to what he knows. So you can't actually challenge. It's not a fair argument because he knows everything. And then it goes on. He says uh, in verse uh, 37, everything he does is right and all his ways are just. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I got what I deserved. God is a just judge. And whether God causes something to happen in your life or allows something to happen in your life, whatever words you want to use to explain that, what he does is right, and it's truth. In other words, when he says truth and justice, what he means is, you know the truth about me. There's no posturing here. You know the truth about everything about me. And if you, if you bring discipline into my life, I've got it coming. Because I can't hide anything from you. Everything he does is right in all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He's able to humble. And I think the last thing ought to be sobering for us. If we walk in pride, He is able to pull the piece out and knock us down. And knowing that God hates pride, He's committed to knocking us down because He already said He's going to. But those that are humble... It says he will exalt in due time. Now, I'd love to give you just a few very practical guidelines. How, if I'm dealing with pride, what do I do? Based on this passage, what should you do? I'll go through these pretty quick, so you, you might have to write fast. Number one, you ought to ask somebody you trust if they think this is an issue. This is exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did with Daniel. Daniel, tell me the dream. Even if it's bad, i got to hear it. Do you have somebody close enough to you that you could say, do you think I'm dealing with pride? I've got people in my life that I do that with. Now, number two is connected to number one. So make sure you get number two. If you're going to ask... If there's a pride issue, I would suggest you ask the question like this. Do you see any prideful behaviors in my life? See, the problem with pride is we're blind to it. We don't see it. Prideful people don't know they're prideful. They actually believe the story they've created for themselves. They believe the Jenga blocks are legit. That, that's the problem with pride. It blinds you. So if you're going to ask somebody about pride, this is the way I would suggest you phrase it. Do you see any sinful or prideful actions in my life? Because you know what that does? It kind of defuses your pride a little bit. It might even spare your friendship with that person who's going to talk to you about it. And what you're going to do is, what you're saying is, would you just shine a spotlight on behaviors in my life that may or may not be prideful? And I'll do some discerning on that. I'll go to the Lord with that. I'll trust your perspective on that. But I'm going to take this seriously if you point it out. Behaviors. Sometimes if you go out saying, if you're the friend and you're saying, yeah, you got a huge pride problem, the person's going to say, what? You know, and it's like a character attack. You know? Even though we've all got pride. And so what you've got to do is what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar to do. He said, you need to change your acts, your sinful actions and do right. That's what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. He says, my advice is before God even gives you this judgment, you need to repent and do right. And that's what you need to do is take a look at your life and say, what actions in my life might be prideful? And then repent of those actions. Because pride always comes out in your words, in your, in your actions towards other people. It always comes out. It's never just a heart thing. You'll see it. In other words, if someone tells me, I think I have a pride issue, the next thing I'm going to say is, How do you know? And don't tell me it's just here. It always comes out here. Okay. The other thing that Daniel tells the king is this. Um, let's go to verse. I lost my spot. Let's see. Here it is, verse 27. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Verse 27. Renounce your sins by doing what's right. We just talked about that. And your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. Be kind to the oppressed. So number three is, you make a habit of helping doing good to other people. When you focus on other people's needs, you start to break the pride thing in your life because pride says life is about me. Look how great I am. I'm going to build myself up. Higher and higher with those blocks. Make a habit of doing it to other people. And let me suggest something here. Um, when I wrote this, I wrote this message earlier in the week. Things have happened in our country since then that are that are big. Do you see what he says in verse 27? Be kind to the oppressed. I think some translations say, "Do justice to the oppressed." with the racial issue in the United States today. I think one... I believe when we read the Bible, it's always got a word for us. And often it has a word for the very thing we're dealing with right now. So I would say to the white church in America, starting here, if we're going to deal with racial tensions in this country... We're going to have to be incredibly humble. That's it. We're going to have to be incredibly humble. Because I watched the videos, the one on Facebook and other places this last week. I saw it and it turns my stomach to see it. I don't know all the ins and outs of the situation. I don't pretend to be omniscient. And I haven't read the final report on all those things. But what I do know is this. When I listen to our African American brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, I hear pastors, black pastors, and their people saying, there is a very real fear and trepidation in this country, and they do have stories to back it up. And if it only has happened a couple times, I, I, look, I, I've heard all of the, I've heard all of the other side. I've not all of it. I've read a lot of the other side of the argument about what should or shouldn't happen, and taking blame and, and these things. And, and I know that's all there. Responsibility's there, and. And what should you do if you're pulled over? That's there. I know that's all there. But if I humble myself and just listen to the stories of black folks that are not the same as me cuz they have a different perspective. I have to hear hard stories and take them seriously. And when they say we're scared, I got to take that seriously. And at the very least, i got to be praying for these hurting communities of people that are becoming fearful of law enforcement officers, even if that's a misguided fear, because I've heard that. Even if it's completely misguided, I need to pray for them because the fear is real. And if I can't carry that burden with them, That I'm not following Scripture. That's that's what I got to say about it. You have to humble yourself to be able to hear the other person's perspective. Even if they happen to be wrong about some of the details, I got to hear it. I got to pray about it. I got to have compassion on it. And I would be quick to add I need to be prayerful. And compassionate because our police officers are in an incredible situation right now where they don't know what they're walking into when they pull somebody over. And the pressure is real. The tension is real. And if I can't have understanding and compassion on the anxiety of a police officer walking up to somebody, that's real too. And nobody says I can't have compassion on both parties. Yes, I know there's facts that still need to come out. There's still truth that needs to come out over these things. I know the media rushes quick to judgment. I know that's how we are. But the church needs to be humble. That's what I had to say to you. Can we hear our black brothers and sisters tell us what they're experiencing in this and can we have compassion and pray? I have a feeling we do that pretty well for our police officers. I have a feeling we have some things to learn when it comes to the other side. And yes, I know. I'll say it again. I know there's more truth to come out about these stories. I know. I know. And I care about the facts. But I also care about the fear of a community. And that's why I'm addressing it. Because I know probably most of you already care about the facts. I know most of you already care about how do you handle yourself if a cop pulls you over. I know most of you are already there. I don't need to remind you of it. You got it. Where's the compassion? That's all I've got to say. Where's the humility? Fourthly, and now I'm over, so I'm going to go really quick on these. You've got to grow in your understanding of God's sovereignty, just like Nebuchadnezzar. If you, stay, if you keep your nose in your Bible, you will see how big God is. And then you'll start to see His hand in your life and you will humble yourself before His mighty hand. And fifthly, I think you got to praise God. Thank God for your blessings. Both privately and publicly. Nebuchadnezzar does both. This whole story is like a proclamation to his whole kingdom. I, Nebuchadnezzar, say the God in heaven, He reigns on high. You've got to do it privately and publicly. If you do one or the other only, there's probably a pride problem in your life. If you only praise Him privately, there's an issue. If you only praise Him publicly, there's an issue. It's both. And then sixthly, lastly, this is, an, this is the one way you could deal with your pride. You wait to fall and then you repent. I don't recommend that way. But that's a way. And God promises... He promises he will deal with us as a father deals with a son. He disciplines. This is what he does. Let's repent before we get there. Um, I'm going to call an audible. We won't sing a closing song, but um, I want to pray again for us. I want to pray for the church in America. And I want to pray for racial tension in this country. So let's Let's close and uh, pray today together. Father, we... uh, So often, I am the person who thinks I'm always right. I become inflexible. I think I've got a word for everybody else. When you want to share a word with me, And I know you want to share a word with the church. And I believe, I truly believe, one of those words is that we would humble ourselves and just listen. Just listen to other people of the church, African American brothers and sisters, who are feeling things we don't understand. Could we humble ourselves and say that? I pray that we could. At the same time I pray that, I pray that the truth in these videos that we've seen this last week would come out. The truth would be known. The justice would prevail. I don't pretend to know what that means exactly. I'm not in the position to judge this and issue a verdict. I know I have opinions like we all do. But I pray that your church would be faithful in praying for our police officers. That we'd be lifting them up to you. And and our firefighters. And our EMTs. Who go into dangerous situations without even having to think about it. They just have to respond. And fall back on their training. And deal with a crisis. I pray your blessing on them. I pray for wisdom for them. I pray protection for them. I pray that when they have to react in the moment, it would be according to truth, according to justice. And again, that America could live with that. Father, would you keep healing racial tensions You got us past slavery. You brought about voting rights. You you brought about the end of segregation. You've helped us. You've given leaders out of the church. You've brought leaders to speak into this situation. And now the people we see speaking are mainly non-church people. The ones that are getting in the media are, are not believers. And they're making the statements, Lord, I pray the church could speak to this. Both the white church and the black church, we could speak to this. And when truth is spoken, I pray it could be received. In the meantime, may we mourn with those who mourn. And may we be faithful to pray. May we humble ourselves before Your mighty hand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord bless you.